Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 92. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and if this is your first time listening to Restaurant Unstoppable, this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do it by listening to this melting pot of mentors tell us what it is that makes them successful. I created this podcast because I fell in love with podcasts as a resource for personal growth, but there was nothing that existed in our industry, the restaurant industry, that tapped into the minds of those who are just killing it. And that's what this is. We are learning from the best. I love hospitality. I love the restaurant industry. And I can't learn enough. I am the student of hospitality. And I'm asking the questions. All you have to do is hit play and learn with me. Whether you're just getting into the industry or opening your first restaurant or you're a seasoned restaurant tour one thing that all my successful guests have in common is they're all students you are never too old to learn and as a matter of fact it's these people who see the value in constantly improving upon themselves to learn and get better who are my successful guests that's why they are successful so hold on to your seat because you're about to go on a ride of it factors success stories failures, and bombs of knowledge, which will help you better lead, manage, and market your restaurant. Get inspired, get motivated, and get educated. Become unstoppable. All you have to do is hit play and let these mentors of our industry shine the light on the path of success to your career. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jeffrey Summers. Jeffrey, are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs? I am. All right. I cannot (laughs) wait. Jeffrey is the founder and principal of Summers Hospitality Group. He is known for being straightforward, creative, imaginative, and being pragmatic in his approach to helping his clients achieve mastery of their trade. He attributes his success to 33 years of doing every job himself. Summer's Hospitality Group works for your business to do four things. Help you identify areas of opportunity for growth, create the strategies and tactics necessary to achieve it, work to deliver those outcomes, and develop a successful lifelong partnership with you. Jeffrey, this was just a taste of what it is that you're all about. So why don't you go ahead and deliver the full play of your story and how you got to where you are today? Well, the big picture is a rather small picture. I started 33 years ago, like you said, doing every job myself. My first job in the restaurant business was, uh, you're not going to believe this, 
but it used to before we had these big trucks that would pull up to the back of your restaurant, put a hose in the ground, and suck out your grease trap. You had to clean those up by hand. That was my very first job uh, that's as a, a day porter at a fun fast time. food restaurant in my small town. Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> yeah. And then ever since, six months later, I was in a certain time managing uh, the restaurant, and I gave up law school to go into the restaurant business. So I've been doing it ever since. It's the only job I've ever had. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the transition and the creation of when you started Summer's Hospitality Group? I got tired of making money for chain people, to put it bluntly. And I realized that I needed to start doing it for myself, so I did. So uh, I've done everything from operate independent restaurants to the point now. The first 15 years of my life I spent in the chain business, chain world. Uh, got tired of that, and then I went to the independent side and realized doing it for myself was a little bit more challenging, more adventurous, more exciting. Uh, and the list goes on and on. And then for the last 10, 12 years, I've decided that I needed to take the show on the road and have been consulting with independent restaurants around the world. Okay. And all the roles you, you did have in the restaurant industry, because you've done so many, which would you say you like the most? Lots of things. I think hard work is still something that drives me. Uh, and restaurants are hard work. And you can't kept you busy. It kept you out of trouble. Uh, and there's something to doing hard physical labor that just satisfies the soul, I think. But then mm -hmm. there's lots of other things. There, it's never the same thing twice. You know, Monday's guests are not the same as Tuesday's guests, and that goes for staff as well. And the situations you encounter in the day you have is never the same thing. Absolutely. So that appealed to me. Mm -hmm. uh, that and the fact that it's extremely challenging to create something every day. I, I don't know any other business where you have to create something out of nothing every single day for people. I totally agree. I mean, to, to really be effective and successful in this industry, you've got to kind of be a little bit of a freak and crazy because it's – I always say, like, you don't choose this industry. It chooses you. It, you have to be cut from a certain cloth to really be happy in this industry. I mean, I was a commercial pilot, um, and I, I was miserable. It wasn't right for me, and I, for, I just had to get back to what I loved, and being around people, serving people, uh, being on my feet, running around, working crazy hours. I don't know what it is, but, I mean, yeah, totally. I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, so now I'm going to have you share uh, maybe a success quote or mantra that you live by and uh, share with all of your clients. Uh, that's probably going to be a quote from Louis Pasteur. Chance favors the prepared mind. Chance favors the prepared mind. What does that say to you? It means be ready. Uh, it means you've got to have the right perspective, the right level of thinking, the right outlook, uh, the right, uh, feeling of acceptance of change and everything that comes your way and just being grounded in the fundamentals, uh, it means just be ready. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you hear the cliche lots of times, be careful what you wish for. In this business, sometimes you get it. Absolutely. What would you say the best way to be ready is? Read a lot. Be a, be a student of life. Great. I'm a voracious reader. I've got six books a week that I'm going through. I've got 100 different newsletters and e-books and white papers and everything. I'm reaching out to different people outside the industry to get their take on thinking and how they look at the world and how the world plays in their business and 
using that to try to find some context for my own. <laughs> Absolutely, Jeffrey. I mean, when being a student of this industry, interviewing these people like you who are so successful, what I'm learning is they're all students themselves. They never stop learning. It's incredible. And it's absolutely no coincidence. So I have to ask you, Jeffrey, what are your it factors? What contributes to your success? Like, what is it about you that you think has made you so successful? Two words, great people. I think I know where you're going with this, but why don't you just go ahead and elaborate a little bit more on that for me? Well, where I'm going is that you can't do anything without great people. Uh, and your level of success uh, is directly related to the number of great people you can surround yourself with. Uh, I keep talking about when I do interviews or speeches or work with clients about how I've done every job myself to learn two things, how to do the job and to understand who was going to need, I was going to have to surround myself with what they needed to know, what kind of people they were going to be in order to achieve that success as well. Uh, there is absolutely no issue that I've ever uh, innovated through or solved or worked around that it didn't involve better people. Mm -hmm. um, there's just no nothing else. That's the it factor. It's not sexy. Uh, it's not shiny. It's not a shiny new toy. Uh, but it's one of the fundamentals that we preach and firmly believe that without you can't have success. You're spot on. I mean, one of my favorite sayings, I'm sure you've heard of this one is you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. If you want to get ahead and if you want to be successful in this industry, and this is one of the things we, we talk about often on the show, uh, surround yourself with mentors, put yourself in a position where you can be around people who are doing what you want to do and learn from them. And if they think you have what it takes and you impress them, they will help you get to that next step. They will invest with in you and they will mold you to be that success story that you're you know destined to be but it all starts with you putting yourself in that position first so i, I love this it factor um do you have any other it factors you want to share there isn't any other it factor everything every other it factor you could possibly come up with uh evolves from that one awesome i i do want to add one it factor which just strikes me as being such a valuable it factor to have um and i experienced this on the first uh encounter with you and i'm so grateful that i did uh you're such a straight shooter you don't you cut straight to it like you literally don't play around um and i'm gonna share the story if you don't mind <laughs> i'm gonna share it so uh i mean i'm a, a, a one-man circus here right we all know that i i'm always emailing people doing all the editing trying to find people for the show always trying to uh, meet the next person and between my full-time job in school I sometimes get rushed and I, I, um, you know, I rush things and I did that with you and I, you called me out for being impersonal on my introduction or my, my invitation to come join me as a guest on the show. And my initial experience was, wow, maybe I won't be able to handle this guy. Maybe he's too much for me. Um, I just didn't feel like we connected. So I said, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, the best of luck. But then you built me back up. You know, you said, hey, man, pick yourself back up, dust your pants off. And, you know, just like what you did is you, you made me you made me see the big picture. And I I'm happy my power went off that day because uh, we lost our power. We had all that crappy weather in the northeast with Thanksgiving, that storm that came through. But it gave me like a day to really like to marinate in 
what happened. And you're absolutely right. And I'm so grateful that you, it kind of opened my eyes. And if I'm, if I'm going after people like you to, to learn from, I've got to make it personal and I have to put a little extra in to show my, my interest in having people like you who are so successful to come on the show and to teach people like me and anyone who wants to get ahead. So, uh, that again, your just ability to, to cut to the chase is awesome. So thank you. Well, and that's just half the equation. The other half is, and this is something that maybe I'll add to my intake on clients, is to have their power go out for a day so they can marinate in it. Mm-hmm. People don't appreciate honesty. I'm busy myself, and I just don't have time for the social media type stuff in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just introductions, it's everything. So the other thing is that I'm a consultant, so one of the ethics that drives my business is the fact that the imperative for me is that every operator I come into contact with or that hires me or that uses me to help grow their business, I need to do that as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't have time to play around. I don't have time to, you know, how many kids do you got, where do they go, blah, blah, blah. We can learn that stuff later. but. After 33 years, I've just trained myself to simply, well, this is what you're asking me, or this is what the issue is, or this is what the reality is. So let's forget the fluff and deal with that, and you'll see results a lot quicker. So that's just how I am. That's my DNA. Well, I appreciate it, Jeffrey, because, I mean, you opened my eyes. You made me see. I mean, there's no, like, secret that I'm truly passionate about learning from people like you. And to know how I was coming off, to really stop and reflect on how I was coming off, uh, that that really opened my eyes and I'm happy somebody did point it out. So being a great straight shooter, man, it pays off. Um, you are living an example of that. So the next question I have for you, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. It factor. We're going to apply it. Your ability to surround yourself with great people. Uh, tell us a story, bring us down to a moment where your ability to surround yourself with great people helped you get to that next level in your career. I've always been at the pinnacle of my career. I've never I don't believe in weaknesses. I only believe in strengths. Uh, And I don't probably don't have just one story. And I don't believe that all people are great. I think you have to, and I don't believe in destiny. I believe you can be whatever you want to. Mm -hmm. So part of the idea behind great people being, as you say, the it factor is taking people who aren't great and making them great. There have been numerous instances throughout my career where I've been asked to turn around a business uh, and been told that there's no talent to do that. I would have to go out and get it. But looking at the existing talent, realizing that there's potential here, you just have to go out and mold it uh, and convince them that they're talented uh, and show them how to use it, and eventually it comes out. So I don't have a particular story, but that tends to be uh, my MO when I talk about great people or when I work with great people. You can surround yourself with people who are already great. That's fine. I like to get people when the trajectory is going up mm-hmm. because there's more to come. I don't. Some people reach a certain level and they get complacent. I, I've never been complacent. If I get to the next level, I want to I know, well, what's the next one? What does us- the next level look like to me? Can you tell us a time, like, can you give us, like, a specific time, like, take us to a moment where these great people that you surrounded yourself with helped carry you to the next point? There isn't a story. And I'm a firm believer in stories to get a point across and for marketing and other things like that. But one of the things you'll 
recognize or see about me is I don't like to talk about myself. I'd rather talk about my clients. When you talk about, when I talk about great people, it's not just surrounding yourself with, with great thinkers or people than yourself. I'm talking about surrounding yourself with great staff as well, mm-hmm. great servers, great bartenders, uh, great hosts, great cashiers, great drive through people, great cooks that want to leave out the back of the house. And that's just on the restaurant side. So it's more than, it's just surrounding yourself with people who want more mm-hmm. and who are eager to embrace the change necessary in both them and their environment in order to attain that. And to me, that type of potential is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, if I can just regurgitate, like, what I'm hearing in, like, a quick couple sentences, basically, I mean, you're only as good as the people. I mean, they say there's great businesses, but the truth is there's no such thing as a great business. There's only great people in a business that make the business great. But it's up to you to be proactive in making those people great and bringing them to their fullest potential. I've been in the business 33 years, so one of the – quotes that come to mind is that you're only as good as your weakest link. Mm -hmm. Now, that was drilled into my head early on, the first few years of my restaurant life, and it's stayed with me ever since. I firmly believe in that. Well, Jeffrey, I am not going to argue with you. I mean, you're definitely making your point, so we'll move on to the next question. And that question is, can you share with us a time you failed and just landed hard on your backside? And uh, tell us how you got back up and what you learned from that failure. So if you learn something from it, is it a failure? Um, see, I don't believe I'm a, so. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> well, I, I don't either. So that's I was trying to qualify what I was about to tell you, that I don't, I don't have failures. I've never had a failure. There's been stupid stuff that I've done, but I've learned from it. Can you tell and us? I try not to make one, the mistake twice. What was one stupid thing? I'm not did? gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> there's absolutely <laughs> no way I'm gonna tell you about the stupid stuff. But just understanding the idea that we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a I was a 12 year old once. I was a 16 year old once. I was a young 20 year old, full of himself once. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would say I still am. But you make you make mistakes throughout life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Uh, I think it was Edison that says two things. One, people don't realize how close they got to success because they gave up. So I try to, if I'm going to make a mistake, I, I want to throw myself into it and make it really big so I can learn more from it than just dipping my toe in failure and not getting much out of it. But uh, there's been lots of things in life that almost on a daily basis to make mistakes at. Uh, and I think that if you're getting back to the always wanting to embrace the next level, you're going to have you're going to encounter a lot of small failures, uh, and you're going to do a lot of stupid stuff. That's mm-hmm. just part of the the A B testing in life. Absolutely. So you just you just got to be prepared for that. To be you've got to have a process already in place to decompress and debrief with yourself about what it is that you did, why it didn't work, and what you can do better next time, and then have the intestinal fortitude or whatever you're going to call it to go out and make that happen. You're absolutely correct, Jeffrey. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite sayings that comes up often is, you know, fail forward. If you're going to fail, at least make it into a learning opportunity and to look at everything that happened in that failure to be a, a lesson to help you get, you know, to help tackle that next project so you don't make the same mistake twice. Successful people, he mentions, are optimistic. And when they fail, they don't look at 
they don't get brought down. They're buoyant. They see what they did, and, and they, they look at the best. They try to look at a glass half full. And you, if you have that attitude and you, you lose use these failures as just a way to get to the next place, um, it, it's not a failure, and you, and you never fail. So you're absolutely right. And I think most successful restaurant people are because even if the shift wasn't so busy today, well, tomorrow, you know, there's another shift at 4 o'clock. Or there's another shift tomorrow at 11 or 8 or whenever their next day part is. But always, like you said, buoyant about what tomorrow may bring. I, I think that's inherent in a lot of successful restaurant people. Yeah, absolutely. So we have reached the part of the show, Jeffrey, which is my favorite part of the show. And it's where you get to just drop some big old restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. It's going to be a little bit faster paced, but I know it's going to be great. Are you ready? Uh, probably. I hope I am. <laughs> I, I'm sure you are. All right. The first question I have for you, Jeffrey, what is one piece of advice you have for funding a restaurant? Do it from your own pocketbook. Uh, and Don't go into debt for it. Explain quickly why that's important. Well, about 70% of most restaurant startups are financed uh, from somebody's own pocketbook mm-hmm. because the, the business doesn't need that much debt, number one. And number two, restaurant operators aren't very good at negotiating debt. Uh, and that's one of the things I've been trying to talk about a lot lately uh, is negotiating that debt. And it's just some of the deals I'm seeing are absolutely scary. Uh, but they want money and they need the money, so they take whatever terms they're given without realizing that they can negotiate it or how to negotiate it. Uh, and they wind up overloading themselves and the business suffers for them. What advice do you have for hiring good people? Uh, don't do it. I don't believe in hiring good people. I believe in hiring great people. I believe in hiring the best people. And that may sound, you know, we can all, I think we can all agree to that. Mm-hmm. A thousand different articles on the internet or books about hiring the best or the great, whatever else. But I think nine times out of 10, we operators give it lip service mm-hmm. because they look at the people they have and they think, well, that's the greatest people. It's really not. So where do you find the great people? Well, that's the eternal question. Uh, nine times out of ten, they're already working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go out. You've got to be comfortable with stealing people. I don't know why, at what point, or who started thinking that it's wrong to go out and steal people. But I've been stealing people my whole life for 33 years. When I've got a, I go into a market and a client has a need, uh, I go to some of the best-run restaurants in the market and try to steal the best people that he needs to fill roles. Mm-hmm. That's just what you do. All right. Where's your second favorite place to steal someone? Grow them. I like There's it. only one place to steal them, and that's from your that's from places that are already working. The mm-hmm. second place to steal them from is is to grow them, to reach out to. It's like those. It's like the Oakland A's and Billy Bean, looking for the people that, for some reason, have been overlooked for one small stupid reason or another, but have potential at the wazoo. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that potential and then growing them into the greater person you think they were. Absolutely. I've done that probably as many times as I've stolen somebody. Dead on, man. You're so right. Uh, what advice do you have once you find these great people? I mean, how do you keep them on your team? You train the hell out of them. Training is the biggest differentiator for successful restaurants, I believe, ever. 
also partially because nobody trains anybody anymore. People when people are looking for servers, they go out and go, well, how much server experience you have? And then, okay, I was a server for eight years at this place and six years, well, then you're hired. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you were a server for all that time. I shouldn't have to train you, so I can save some money by not training people. I need to give you a basic understanding of what rules I want you to follow when you're serving and give you maybe eight or 10 or 12 steps to follow uh, that are, you know, original to our place of business. But other than that, you're pretty much on your own. I, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I don't believe in that. I would. That's the, that's one of the most stupid things we've ever done. I think in the history of restaurants, it's forgotten that we need to train everyone, mm-hmm. no matter how long they've been doing their job. If you could like limit to, to like one thing, what would you say the keystone to good training is? The keystone to good training communication. Awesome. Whether it's accountability or expectations or responsibilities or just the learning itself, you've got to find – nobody learns the same way. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find what – and this is the hard part. You've got to spend the time to learn how this person you just hired learns, mm-hmm. and then you have to give them the training in that vein. I love it, man. You're or else it's going to – or else it's going to – you're going to be trying to convey ideas and ways of doing things and behaviors that you want them to engage in that's going to have a lot of friction. Man, I was just going to say. Because it's not how they learn. You're laying down gold right now. If you can see my face, got a big smile. I mean, I just, you're, you're, what you're sharing with us is so valuable. And I'm so happy that you came on the show. Um, so the next question I have for you, Jeffrey, is what advice do you have for teamwork in getting through a heated rush or just a, like a tough shift? I don't believe in teamwork. There's no. This is one of the greatest myths of all time in the restaurant business. I don't. And when I everything that I talk about, every opinion I have is all based in the restaurant business. I, I've never built widgets for a living. I've never built rockets. I don't build wash machines. I I build restaurants. So the only team in a restaurant is a management team. Okay. Okay. The staff the staff is not a team. And even though you you can participate in teamwork but not be a team. Uh, I don't believe in teams. Uh, there are too many individuals uh, that can have success independent of the person standing next to them in a restaurant. So that tells me it's not a team. So trying to apply a teamwork philosophy is one of the reasons why it doesn't work. Now, people are going to say, well, yeah, but that doesn't make any sense because everybody has to do everything. Well, no, they don't. Okay. So it, do they have? Is it, should, should everybody run food? Yeah, everybody should run food if they have to, if they need to. But if they've got something else they need to be doing, they need to be doing that. The systems and processes have to be flexible enough to fit the talent that you have to do those. I mean, I believe in establishing the systems and processes first and hiring roles, but there's no such thing as teamwork in a restaurant when it comes to the hourly staff. It's just the management team. So I'm going to take the word teamwork out of it and say, what's your advice on keeping a restaurant running like a well-oiled machine? There isn't anyone. It's, it goes back to having be prepared. Okay. You know, I, I my, my quote was from Louis Pasteur, chance yeah. favors a prepared mind. Mm-hmm. You want to have a successful shift, be prepared mentally, be prepared physically, be prepared intellectually to have a good shift. And that means you, you're fully staffed, uh, you know. Your checklist is done. Everything is ready for the guests. You've anticipated everything you can anticipate. Uh, that's the only way to have a great shift. Mm-hmm. So somebody uh, sorry, smarter ahead. than me once said that. It, look, 
yeah, that a shift is just organized chaos. <laughs> well, that just means being prepared for everything. Yeah. You can't always be prepared for everything, but you have to try. And if you do this long enough, you can, you can get really good at organizing chaos. I love it, man. I really, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah, that's a cool outlook. Thanks I, for sharing. You're, you're talking, you're talking to, you're talking to a guy who believes in the fundamentals. Yeah. And rest, restaurants have gotten away from the fundamentals. So everything that you're going to ask me, I'm going to couch uh, probably in some fundamental. Uh, and at this point, the best way to build a business is to have great people. The best way to have a better rush or be able to withstand the heat of the rush is to have great people in place. Maybe aces in their places. Mm-hmm. I, that was instilled in my head 33 years ago, and for 33 years I've used it to drill down into how to put together, te- you know, the people on each shift. No, I love it, man. I, you're not getting any uh, disagreement with me. I think you're sharing great advice, some new perspectives, uh, very valuable stuff. So um, this question, this next one, I'm excited for. Uh, what is one of your favorite restaurant resources? You, you said you you had a whole stack of books. Uh, you're a reader. Uh, I just need to know which ones you got going right now, which ones you have to, to recommend for our listeners. Well, well, just because I've got a stack of books that I read through doesn't mean they're all great. <laughs> uh, and probably 90% of the stuff I read is crap. And that comes from industry magazines and everything else as well. And I'm, it's not just limited to industry restaurant or industry magazines. But uh, one of the – I think there, there are two things because I actually thought about this a little bit more than five seconds. So other successful restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's never been a time in my career that when I had a question about, is there a better way to do this? Or why are we still doing this the same old way? Uh, you know, it's a definition of insanity, doing things the same way and expecting a different result and expecting that different result. So what, where do I get an answer? And I call up successful restaurant people and I say, hey, this is the issue I have in my head. Help me figure it out. And they do. Yeah, I don't think operators nearly call up enough. Operators are funny animals, uh, and they're funny on different levels and in many different ways. But just one of them is that they don't like to talk to one another as much as they need to. Uh, I think if somebody opens up a a concept somewhere and it's wildly successful, that you need to be over there and talking to them and picking their brain and introducing yourself and getting to know them and their place and their business and their staff and find out what the heck they're doing to create that success and then see if there's any context for your own. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that's done nearly enough. I mean, I could spend half my day on the phone if I was a restaurant in trouble. I, you're not going to get any disagreement here. I mean, that's I that's why this show exists. I. I totally mm-hmm. understand what you're saying. I mean, I, that's why I created a resource where I just ask the questions and use other people who have proven themselves successful as a resource to share what's working for them and to help shine a light on the path to similar success. Um, they, they've done it. They know it works and they will nine times out of 10 people are willing. That's why people get, most people get into this industry because they, and they're successful because they're willing to give, they're willing to help. That's the kind of people who are successful in hospitality. All it takes is somebody just willing to ask the questions. Um, and you'd be surprised how, if you approach people with questions, how fast they'll be willing to help. So the successful ones are willing to help. The ones that aren't successful, aren't willing to help. Uh, and that's the, probably the biggest differentiator that we need to throw into this question is the difference between talking to somebody who's opened a lot of restaurants mm-hmm. and somebody who's opened a lot of successful restaurants. One of the 
key points that I continue to try to drive home is that there's a difference among experience levels. And this is the question I usually get uh, when people have been talking to me for a half hour or so on the phone and trying to decide whether or not to hire me. They go, well, why should I hire you over this guy? I, I usually tell them is I've had more successful experience uh, than most other people. Uh, and that's the difference. There's a lot of people in our industry and outside the industry who have a lot of advice for our industry who've never worked a day in their life in a successful restaurant. Yep. And I don't believe you should be listening to those people. I believe you need to be listening to the people like Danny Meyer, who's had more success than a lot. And that's where good advice comes from, is having success. I don't want to take skiing lessons from a guy who's sitting on the couch back at the chalet. <laughs> I want to see the guy who's who's done who's been on the slopes and done it and been there, like you said earlier, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Show me somebody who's been there, done that, and created success. You can you can talk to people who've been there and done that all day long. That doesn't mean anything to me. All right, Jeffrey, you got me all hot and bothered over this stack of books you said you had for us. Now I'm just waiting and chomping at the bit. What do you have to share? I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you a couple of resources. I'll give you a resource and then I'll give you four books that I want you to think about. Okay. Uh, one of the most underutilized resources I think out there is a place called Seeking Alpha, and it's a it's a finance. Uh, geeks place to live uh, every restaurant chain uh, that's a public company or any, every public traded company period uh, is talked about seeking alpha it's a investment finance uh, type of website and one of the things that I go there a lot for and I'm a member and devour are the calls that the public restaurant chains make uh, to their investors, to reporters, and everything else, and they talk about what their strategic plans are uh, for the upcoming quarter, the upcoming year, the past quarter. They talk about financial results of the chain, and there's a lot of information you can glean about the thinking of successful restaurant people by just reading through those reports. Now, some of them are as boring as it gets, uh, and some CEOs shouldn't be allowed to talk because they just have <laughs> – it's it's absolutely it puts you to sleep, but if you can get through that, uh, there's tons of gold there. There's more gold there than I have found most places. Well, but absolutely, I mean, it's the people that are willing to do the unglamorous things because they know that's what it takes to be successful. You know, they they tackle the biggest ugliest projects first because they know that that's where the secret lies and that's what's going to make him get to that next level so yeah it's called seeking alpha i haven't heard about one in you know investment in finance that's usually where when people fail that's one of the big reasons they they can't they don't have the strengths in that department so i'm happy you shared that with us yeah that's not the reason restaurants fail but that's that's a good way to put it uh success happens because people are willing to do the work that nobody else Mm -hmm. is willing to do in order to get the rewards nobody else will have now let me give you four book titles all right the one-to-one future, that's an old one, but it's probably one of the best business books of all time, in my opinion. I have not it, heard of that one. It's the future. Yeah, there's probably a lot you're not going to have heard from from me. I'm excited. Uh, I'm that old. <laughs> it's all the right. one-to-one future. Don, Don Pepper, Peppers and Rogers wrote that. Don Peppers is uh, a really great supporter of mine, uh, and I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, he wrote that. I don't even remember when they wrote that. They wrote that uh, decades ago. Uh, but you need to read that. That 
the one-to-one future is about one-to-one marketing. Okay. Uh, building relationships, one guest at a time, and it he they lay out everything that everybody is talking about today in social media. They wrote about 20, 30 years ago as a way of building social business. Uh, and I think if somebody wants a primer on that and to understand how social business can be more effective for them or how that can be a strategy in and of itself for them in their restaurant, they should read that book. Awesome. But that's going to require you to understand a little bit about strategy, which leads me to my second book. Okay. It's called Top Management Strategy, and it was written uh, a long time ago by a fellow by the name of Benjamin Trigo, T-R-E-G-O-E. And uh, sorry to interrupt, but hey, if you guys are looking for these books, or if you're scrambling to get a pen to write these names down, don't worry about it. Just remember episode 92. So head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 92, and all these books will be in the show notes. That's fine. The third book is going to be from my favorite sales uh, guru, and that's Jeffrey Gittimer. And it's the book he wrote, Customer Satisfaction is Worthless. Customer loyalty is priceless. Uh, that will be a life-changing book. And then the fourth book uh, is written by another huge supporter of mine, and I've been a fan of his for a long time. That's David Aker. Uh, it's the latest book he wrote, Aker on Branding, A-A-K-E-R. Awesome. You just gave us a whole list of books, four books I'm going to be adding to my book hit list. I know I'm happy. So we're going to move on to the next question. And let's talk a little bit about marketing. If you could just drop like one piece of knowledge on us, like what would you say we need to know about marketing? Uh, Understanding what marketing is and what it isn't and what it can and can't do for your business. Uh, You're you're talking to a guy who's going to tell you that social media is irrelevant. You want to dive a little deeper? Well, maybe the power needs to go out for another day so you can marinate on that one, too, or whoever's, list- whoever's listening to this. Uh, rest- restaurants are the ultimate social business. Uh, when Facebook got hot and Twitter got – when the big three got hot uh, just a few years ago, people were talking – you know, Brian Solis and a few others were talking about social business. Well, restaurants and hotels are the original social business. Uh, our product is the social experience, mm-hmm. uh, and everything that – you know, everybody, every social media guru has talked about restaurants and been doing forever since the, the creation of the first restaurant. That's how we operate. That's how successful ones operate anyway. So the, part of the deal with restaurants that we talked, you said something a while ago when we were talking about Seeking Alpha, that finance, the finance part, the numbers part, the capitalization part was one of the reasons the restaurants failed. They failed because they, they don't know how to market their business. Okay. You know, if you want to get in a plane and go up 20 more thousand feet, restaurants fail because operators don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think that the finite amount of dollars they have in their head is sufficient for success, and it's really not. One of the things I talked about uh, a long time ago, and I've been talking about it ever since, is that my, is business becomes more complex. Mom and pop need to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no longer any mom-and-pop success stories out there. They're few and far between if there are any. There's always an exception to every rule. I don't argue with success, but they're fewer and far between, like I said. Success today has to be designed, and that, has, that includes marketing. And if you, when you get into the book, the one-to-one, uh, the one I gave you, the one-to-one future, 
uh, that has the core of my marketing philosophy. I don't. I've, I'm an old timer, so I believe that you build volume one guest at a time, one conversation at a time. I believe the best social media platform in the world is your dining room. I, be, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I, I completely agree. It kind of reminds me to uh, TGI Friday's strategy of the, they call it four walls marketing, I believe, where it all starts in house. If you do. If you do that great face-to-face marketing and you win your customers over and you take care of them and you create those relationships, they'll do the rest for you. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot, of so, a lot of social media gurus talk about relationships and engagement and everything else, and there's no other industry where relationships are as critically important or engagement is real, mm-hmm. except in, in the hospitality industry, uh, restaurants, hotels, and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a relationship with my dishwashing soap. I don't have a relationship with my refrigerator. I don't have uh, a relationship with uh, the clothes rack. But I have a relationship with the person who puts food on my table mm-hmm. on a consistent basis if I have a favorite restaurant. I have a relationship with the manager usually. I have a relationship with other guests. Uh, it may be at different levels. It, you know, some may be more developed than others, but I still have relationships there. Jeffrey, mm-hmm. um, you are sharing so much valuable knowledge with this, and I hate to cut you off because I'm sure there's so much more you can share with us that we could just benefit from. But I have to move to the next question for the sake of time. And that question is on the topic of technology. Are there any technologies out there or services that you would suggest our listeners uh, making it? an investment on that can help them be more productive and more effective and efficient in their restaurants. Yeah. Better people. Uh, that's the best technology ever. I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I can open a restaurant tomorrow with absolutely no technology and, and it'll be a wild success. Mm-hmm. It's not about technology. I've never been a, I'm a fan of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, I like shiny things as much as the next guy, uh, but they're not important. They're not critical to restaurant success. And that includes social media. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I can yeah. take fifteen. I can I can take fifteen people who will listen to me about service, and I'll beat the pants off anybody anywhere that you're trying to use technology to garner an audience. Dude, I love the way your mind works, and I again this like straightforward, cut to the chase uh, approach, man. It's it's we're learning so much from you, and uh, yeah, I love your philosophies. It's, it's R- restaurant. Well, rest, restaurants aren't NASA. This is, we don't need rocket. You know, we don't need to engineer the the next greatest rocket. We just need to treat people better, mm-hmm. and that doesn't take technology. And that's the core of my philosophy about creating a successful business, restaurant business anyway, hotel business. Mm-hmm. I got you, man. It's, it's, it's full of human beings. I am picking up. There is, so technology, any now any anything any kind of technology that can help you deliver a better experience for staff or guests, that's fine. Maybe you should have it. It's not necessary, but it, it you know. No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but it, it, all starts, your boat. it all starts with the people. Don't don't think if you have all the the shiny fancy objects, it's going to automatically mean you're going to be successful. You need to start with the core of the people before doing anything else. And and uh, and. Yeah. Yes, and stay there, mm-hmm. and stay there. Yep, the the news that you're the news that we're all hearing today is that IHOP is transforming itself, or Applebee's is trying to reinvigorate its brand, and it's one chain after another 
with this kind of message. Darden's in trouble. So they're trying to find their way along. And they're redesigning the way they build buildings. And they're redesigning the color schemes and uniforms and things like that. But the problem is that nobody's spending one dime on better people. Yes. You can spend all the money you want to on bricks and mortar, but you've got to invest in your people. And the, the comments that I keep putting out every time somebody writes an article about how, you know, IHOP is finding itself in this new brand strategy, really? It's the same managers doing the same type of managing or the same cooks cooking the same way or the same servers serving the same way. So if they weren't good enough to serve and cook and manage, then they're not going to be better servers, cooks, and managers in a shiny new building. Mm -hmm. Now, I could listen to you go all day, but we have to move to the next question because we are running uh, a little late here. Uh, the we're almost there. We're almost done. The last one of the last questions I have for you is, uh, what is the best business advice for somebody getting into the industry? Get out. <laughs> Don't get in. This is you. See, you talked about it at the beginning of this little conversation we're having. This is the roughest business known to man, mm -hmm. outside of somebody shooting at you on a daily basis. Uh, but this is tough. I mean, you've got to want it. So it's it's sweat. It's for that, work, it's, that person it's at home that, that wants it and they can't see themselves doing anything else, what what is your best advice? You gave it to them earlier when you said find the most successful person in your market, in your community, in your sphere of influence, and then go work for them. I'm a firm believer in working for nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, if the nothing that you get is experience with working with a very successful operator, mm -hmm. you can't get that anywhere else. Awesome. You can't get it in a culinary school. You can't get it by doing your own thing. You've got to go out. It's, it gets back to the philosophy of just hanging out with successful people. Mm -hmm. You've got to find the most successful business and just go work for them. That's always yes. been my only advice except to get out. Mm -hmm. before you get in and can't get out. Yeah, you know, that's part of the, the reason why I exist. One of the reasons why I wanted to make this podcast as a resource to help connect those people who are listening, who are passionate, and want to get into this career but need a mentor. I mean, just go to the archive of past guests. There's some amazing guys and girls out there who are looking for people like you who are ambitious, who want to learn and have what it takes. So just... Find someone who resonates with you and connect with them. If they're in your area, give them a call. The contact information is all there. What are you waiting for? All right, so the next question I have for you, Jeffrey, what is one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this episode? Uh, there, wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a better question. There just would have been more time. <laughs> and, you can't, and you can't make any of that. So yeah, I don't you're... think there's a better question. Well, you were. We the, the thing about restaurants is we could sit here and talk all day, and I would love to do that. Yeah. But you can't because of time. Mm -hmm. So if you could increase, if you could double the amount of time you devote to these interviews, that would be a great thing. Yeah. Well, you know what? You are awesome. Your advice was awesome. You're always welcome back on the show. If there's anything you want to talk about, you have an open invitation. Uh, please keep that in mind and uh we wrap up every interview with calling somebody out who is one restaurant professional an indie restaurant professional preferably that you think would just make a great guest mentor on the show i think having me on again would be the best thing for you <laughs> all right well you heard him and you're always welcome back talk do you come up with the subject i'm gonna throw this one in your life whatever you think is something we could have talked more about or something you think is just 
a need to know topic. Uh, it's it's yours to take, and I would love to have you back and um, let the folks at home know how they can connect with you, whether you're on Twitter or your email address or your website, whatever you want to share with us. Let the folks at home know. We're on every social media platform known to man. Uh, so you can catch us anywhere, but if you go to the website, you can find out everything you want to know and, and probably more than you didn't. That's shg.consulting. Awesome. It will be all there in the show notes. This is episode 92, so just go to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 92. Everything we talked about will be recapped right there for your convenience. Jeffrey Somers, man, you rocked it. Your advice was so invaluable. Um, There's no question why you are unstoppable. (laughs) I appreciate that, Eric. Another great episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys found value in today's lessons and the stories that were shared. I know I did. And if you did find value, please support this community. It's so easy. All you have to do is spread the word. Share this content with somebody you know who might find value in all these lessons. It's never been so easy to learn. Another thing you can do is rate the show. Five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio go so far with helping create awareness. And lastly, email me. Tell me who you know that would make a great guest on the show, and I will approach them and ask them to join our Melting Pot of Mentors. Or tell me what you think would make good content. What questions do you have? What are you curious about? What are your challenges? I will do the research or find somebody who has the answers and get them on the show to share their knowledge with us and we can learn together. But it all starts with you. I am here. I am your sword. Wield me. I challenge you. I hope you guys have fun. Until next time, peace out.